0: You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Goldseth. It is Mental Health Monday, and we're going to chat with Heidi in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu.
1: Live Uncommon.
0: It is Mental Health Awareness Month. Did you know that? May is Mental Health Awareness Month.
1: I did know that. You
0: did because we were preparing for this. So. <laughs> we
1: did a whole series on the Ladies' Lounge. Oh, so cool. I think it was last year or the year before. I can't remember because pandemic. But we did a whole series of mental health stuff.
0: Well, it is Mental Health Awareness Month and it is Mental Health Monday with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. Good morning, Heidi. Morning. Thanks for joining us for Mental Health Monday and looking forward to talking more about emotions. Today, we're going to dig into transitions. You have some great resources on your website, HeidiGaiman.com. We'll provide the link in the program notes as well. Talking about transitions, particularly going to college being one of those transitions, because we talked about teens and tweens last time and some of the emotions they might feel. What about when we move into that stage where it's time to make another transition, not just changing classes, but actually maybe even leaving home to go mm. to college and what kind of things might be associated with that. So it, it it certainly can be a big transition, both for students and for parents. And I know you've experienced this. Those transitions can involve, can involve many emotions simultaneously. We call that emotional soup. <laughs> we may have a sticker or may not have a sticker to represent that. Yes. So what... What emotions might a student experience when preparing for this transition of going to college?
2: Mm -hmm. You know, I have such a passion for talking about life transitions because I think they're one of the great stress inducers that don't necessarily have to be negative stress. They can involve a lot of positive stress in our life or what we call youth stress. right? They bring good things and good awareness and good growth, but... We just don't talk about transitions at all. I feel a little bit bad that this series, this is going to be our last age group we talk about with emotions and transitions since there's going to be a whole lot after young adulthood of emotions to navigate. So maybe we'll have to pick that back up. I'm Especially interested, like, when are we going to get to, like, menopausal transitions and emotions? (laughs) (laughs) When are we going to get to retirement? Right, you know, all these different things. Marriage and transition emotions. But will, I'll settle in. Just so you know, maybe we'll get to that, dear listener, at some point. But I think that there's two different things happening. One is young adulthood is a transition in itself, whether you go to college or not. College isn't for everyone but there is an entrance into expectations of adulthood in our culture. And those are really vague and also untalked about, right? Like, what does it mean to be an adult? And we talked last episode about like, can I get my, I understood my emotions, so I adulted today sticker. You know, so young adulthood in itself has a lot of the same concepts we talked about with teens, just like hormonal changes, like lots of different somatic things happening inside your body those expectations changing, but with the weight of transitioning from childhood to full-blown adulthood. And so that's one aspect of it. Life decisions really coming in clutch for people at this age. Then there's that actual transition that college students experience that includes moving into a different social situation often a dormitory environment or roommate situation, at least, or living on their own. Those kind of things come with a lot of different emotion soup with it, as well as navigating their schedule individually and even setting up their schedule from a very individualized fashion, but with like a communal expectation and all of the mishmash of that. And so, yeah, I, do you see the layers that start to happen? And college students, which we're talking about today, It's a very specific kind of pressure that comes in that includes emotions like loss. It also includes emotions of excitement or anticipation. There's certainly nerves and anxiety. One thing that happens with excitement and anticipation in particular, it can really mirror anxiety and nerves. So it can be really important to identify where the anticipation is because If we don't have language for that, it will often feel like anxiety to us internally. And that's scary. And so there's fears, there's desires, expectations within us that bring up some longings. This is a life stage where you start to look for, you know, a lifelong companion, no pressure there. (laughs) And so there's that sense of longing. And I recently read this really exceptional book that's secular, but it was talking about different types of love in our life. And engaging in all those different types of love, like familial, you know, we think of the C.S. Lewis for loves idea and the phileo love or friendship love. But that companion or romantic love, erotic love, pressures for people's expectations of how we engage socially and social norms. There's just a lot of emotions that I think that if you picked up the emotion wheel and you handed it to a young adult, you would often they could probably circle most things on that emotion wheel in any given day just because of the height and breadth of the change and our societal expectations with that change as well.
1: I'm just overwhelmed thinking about all of this right now. Terry, welcome
2: to young adulthood. Do you really want to go back there? I (laughs) Uh, I hope that gives you empathy, right? Because I don't think we have... A lot of empathy for young adults in our culture naturally. We're like, well, that must just be awesome. Like, oh, like they're, you know, they're in their late teens, early 20s. It's like a really, we picture, we nostalgia it is what we do, you guys. (laughs) Like we are like, oh, it's such a magical time of life. And they're gaining their independence without noticing what we call in therapy, the other side of the coin. So, yeah, there's lots of, you know, excitement, fun curiosity like so much going on but the other side of that coin is that loss is that fear and nervousness and just weight right the heaviness of expectation that comes with all of that the young adults in our lives deeply and desperately need adults to come in and have
1: conversation with them about it just
2: sort it like just sort it out with them
1: I'm preparing to go back to grad school and so some of this I know I'm like far past the the young adult part of it, but like all of those expectations of what school means again, I'm I'm feeling that right now in my soul. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> what can parents do as they are as their kids are approaching this stage? How can parents kind of I don't know if help soften the blow is the right way to put it, but like help prepare young adults for navigating all of these things that that are going to happen through this stage of life.
2: Mm -hmm. Last episode, we talked a lot about that concept of self-differentiation. So knowing your own emotions is going to go really far with anyone in your life Mm -hmm. so that you can help discern theirs. It's not your job to discern other people's emotions, but it it is our job not to project our emotion onto other people. Mm -hmm. And that's happening a lot. That's just part of intimacy. And so, you know, that concept of co-regulating, like, means that I pick up your emotions and you pick up mine, but we also help each other process them. So when I can, as the adult in your life, help, or the seasoned adult in your life, if you will, (laughs) help (laughs) self-differentiate my emotions, my expectations for your life... And I'm much less likely to put them on you then, to project them on you. And I allow you the space that you need to, you know, walk through your own expectations. That self-differentiation also helps us pull back to that place of curiosity and ask the questions that need to be asked much more naturally of like, well, what do you think about this? Is this a good fit for you? Well, I mean, is that the kind of friend you want to hang around? Or, you know, would you like to live on your own? Or would you like to have this, like, you know, sweet situation with six roommates? Like, what the curiosity comes when we aren't feeling the pressure inside of us. That's a curiosity is a sea of self. It's a very natural core piece of who we are as human beings when we're really, like, living authentically. And we can then you know, invite the conversations that need to happen. So I would say that's really the main thing, that self-differentiation again and again and again, right? Um, And I think recognize that one thing I've noticed in my own life with my own kids, much less in my therapy practice, is noticing the expectations of other family members or the culture on my kids and calling those out for them. Because I don't know that often they have the language or they they have that level of self-differentiation because they're just learning it, right? And so I can say, oh, it sounds, isn't that wild that like grandma really thinks this is a good idea? I wonder what you think about that. You know, to help them see the projection is something I can offer them. And it's, I mean, that usually is a balm I've noticed to my kids, like that they... They didn't know where to put that, <laughs> but me calling it odd or awkward or at least you know a possible source of pressure is very freeing.
0: Speaking of freeing, let's talk about boundaries. <laughs> is, there, is there freedom in boundaries? No. Mm-hmm. How well, well how can boundaries be valuable for that student who is going off to college? What value is there in in establishing boundaries or even understanding? what role Mm -hmm. boundaries might have in this new stage in life.
2: Yeah, I feel terrible for young adults because this is so important in that stage of establishing their boundaries and even with your parents, be able to establish boundaries you want so that you can go live your adult life. Like, that's part of young adulthood. But in our culture we have, like, zero help at doing that. And we are generally not good at setting boundaries anyway as human beings. I think that's part of the fall (laughs) to sin. Like, Original sin equals poor boundaries, evidently. And so, I mean, like, by definition, right? And so that's just not something we excel at. And so we don't naturally just teach it in the day-to-day very well. And it's an absolute need, particularly in that life stage, because you're trying to kind of claim your own life. And it's a two-way street. And so Dave and I, actually, my husband and I, in our podcast, Life and Relationships, we have an episode that talks to each side of this. Like how do parents, like what What kinds of things can you take your hands off and where do you step back in to help your young adult? And also young adults, how do you express what you need to express to the people in your life as well as back off or, or step outside of expectation of your parents and finances and different things like that in order to claim your young adult life? And so I would say, The boundaries are going to be quite individualized. Like you will have to decide those for yourself based on your values, the kind of situation and context you're living in. Are you living at home? Those boundaries are going to look a whole lot different than if you're living in your own space. Are you expecting financial help from these parties? That's going to look a whole lot different than if you're handling it yourself, right? So they're going to be very specific to your context. You can likely find other people. Bob Goff calls it your Bob plus 10. Like people who have just recently gone through this in a similar context, those people are really helpful because they understand the the cultural and societal context of the present moment instead of me, who's like, well, 22 years ago, I went to Concordia River Forest, and let me tell you, they should still call it River Forest. Right, like that's only so helpful to a young adult. (laughs) And so I want to kind of help find a person who's a good transition point that's got maybe five to 10 years on this experience. Not that my seasoned experience isn't helpful, but somebody kind of near it understands the context a lot more. And then the boundaries are also gonna be communal. So what have been boundaries that are important to your family in the past or ones they have failed at in the past that you want to see as part of your life? What are some of the boundaries that we set up as like Lutheran Christians in this world? And how do you do that in your new space versus what that looked like when you maybe had church and youth group and a different kind of vibe going on in your life? And so, again, looking at the individuality of the boundaries you need for your context, as well as the boundaries you need communally for the people that you're involved in in your life and your culture You know, what what does American college student-ness look like? And how does that look different than going into the workforce? You know, understanding those different aspects of it, I think will help alleviate some of the emotional overload of it because we get to move some of this into here. And while most of the time I don't want to have people cognitizing or pulling too much up here, I want them to feel their emotions. Sorry, you can't, Andy and Sarah can see me on the screen. I'm like pointing to my brain, everyone. My heart to my brain. I do want you to feel the emotion, but also be able to think through it. And so some pieces of that can be given to our reason mind, if you will, and be able to be sorted more than others. So we're feeling our feelings and we're also thinking the thoughts.
0: Feeling feelings, thinking thoughts. Mm. We're going to continue the conversation about the transition to college or young adult life in just a moment here on Mental Health Monday on the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth. <laughs>
0: Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth.
0: We're thinking all the thinkings <laughs> and feeling all the feelings. It is Mental Health Monday with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. We are talking about transitions, emotions one might experience in the transition of going to college or the transition to young adult life. What does that look like? Now, we've talked about boundaries and the, the value they may have in this this new chapter in life, this new context of college life. It, it, you've written a great article that's on HeidiGaiman.com that really provided some insights and and some of the things that you pointed on or that you shared on there. I wanted to point out today: physical health. You've mentioned this before. Physical health is mental health. There's a, a, a direct connection here. So it, physical health is mental health, even for college students or especially for college students. What what might this look like? For the new college student, I mean, you're in, you know, especially as you pointed out, if you're going to living in a new community and dorm life or whatever it might be, or now you have a cafeteria to eat mm, in.
1: With uh, ice cream with every ice cream. day. Or you, or
0: you live in an apartment and you're responsible for your own meals on your own every day making your own food, like adulting, cooking for the rest of your oh, life.
1: Oh man, it never ends.
0: <laughs> How does physical health relate to mental health for the college student?
2: Well, sleeping and eating are two basic components for our mental health that cannot be taken for granted. Like we really do need a good amount of sleep or at least a healthy sleeping pattern. So that's mm. the that's the message I'm always trying to sell to people is like your sleep cycle might be different than someone else's. Now, I do not buy it when people are like, well, I only need three hours or five hours of sleep, but I'm good to go. Okay, so you might need less than the average human being, but scientifically speaking, that's just not true for your system. And so know that you need a healthy pattern. And actually, when we talk about mental health, that rhythm of sleep is more important than the amount, although I, I amount matters. Like, please get a good amount of sleep. But like, if you go to bed at 10 p.m. one night, and then go to bed at you know, 3 a.m. the next night and then 1 a.m. and then 4 a.m. and then up to 8 p.m. And then like, you know, like if you are just really erratic with that, that's going to have a deeper impact on your mental health than if you go to bed between 10 and 1 a.m. like at any given night. Like you have to be kind of having a rhythm. You can totally get by. And yes, When you are 19 and 20, you can totally get by with like wild 3 a.m. nights if you want. However, know that on average, it will be challenging for your system to maintain emotional regulation if you do not have a somewhat normal sleeping pattern. And so that's one thing I'm trying to teach even our youngest clients and my teens and then into young adulthood is just find a pattern that works for you. Then the the next thing is the same thing as on the wake-up end, right? Find a pattern that works for you. It doesn't mean you have to be the 5 a.m. person. I know in our culture we're like, you know, all the successful people like do everything before breakfast, but that's not for everyone. It's okay if your brain doesn't work up till wake up till 10 a.m. Try to arrange your classes as such, because like you can do that now, young adult. You know. I think being mindful of your own body is one of the most important emotion regulation works of young adulthood. And then eating good. I mean, I remember going into the cafeteria the first week I was at Concordia Chicago and like looking at the options and being like, well, I guess I'm going to start eating broccoli now because that's what adults do. You know, like I like really mindfully was like, I'm going to eat some broccoli. And it was funny because I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like it. And I actually really love broccoli now. You do not have to choose broccoli as your thing, but being mindful of, yeah, there is a change. There is a transition to being responsible for your own diet. There is a plethora of things available in front of you. Eat the Doritos. Also eat the broccoli. And please do eat, right? like Be mindful of that your system does need nutrients and it needs you to take care of it in that way. So those are not small things, not small things. I would say 75% of mental health is like sleep, diet, exercise, those kind of things. Relationships are another massive component of that. And it's a big transition to go to somewhere new, especially for college students, right? And try to find the relationships that work for you. My best piece of emotion regulation advice for that is know that there's nothing wrong with you. It takes time. Mm -hmm. Relationships take time. It's not you. It's just reality, and so easing into it, low expectation, low expectation, <laughs> is the name of the transition emotion regulation game.
1: It's funny you went toward the broccoli in college. And I definitely went to the soft serve machine probably every day. So that was that was my nutritional choice for a long time. Isn't There's
0: protein there.
1: There's protein. Pro- it's still calorie. <laughs> Well, college
2: students also often start, well, I guess teenagers and college students start drinking coffee a lot of the times, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is the stage of life often in our culture where we start taking in coffee. Now, this was, I'm thinking maybe back before Monster Energy Drinks and, um, you know, Red Bull and all of that were a thing. But at that time, coffee was kind of your, your entrance drug to caffeine. And the problem with it is it often comes with the entrance drug to sugar. And Mm. so, you know, we, we drink a frappuccino when we first start drinking coffee, often not black coffee. And so that sugar does have an impact on your body and your mental health as well. It's not, none of these things are bad. Like our, I remember at Concordia Chicago, they got the cappuccino machine. And I will to this day say this is how my husband and I ended up married because we really enjoyed a good free cappuccino that was prepaid by our dining room plan. And so we were always the last ones sitting around the table drinking our coffees. And so we would just talk. And so there are. There's like a lot of benefits to these things, but just know that yeah, your everything in moderation, if you will, goes a long <laughs> way for emotion regulation. I
1: feel like this is good advice for us that are have already been adulting for several years too. Eat, sleep, and exercise. It's good stuff, and also spiritual life and faith. Super important still in college. How how do How do these people going, young people going through transition, navigate having this freedom to choose to go to church or not go to church?
2: Yeah. Remember just a little bit ago before the break, we talked about the two sides of the responsibilities in like parenting and then also like young adulting and then talking to your parents. This same thing goes here. The adults in young adults' lives, the like seasoned adults in young adults' lives, like, they do have a responsibility here. Please do not, like, catch and release. Do not bring people into your life and then be like, well, good luck with that, faith life. You know, that is not a helpful way to keep people connected to Christ. Like, they're, that it's not even Christ style. Right? Like, God runs after us. May we also run after the young adults in our lives and help them navigate this season of making their faith their own in a very different way. So I would say directly to the adults in young adults' lives that they need you. They just really do need you. That said, that means we have to change our rhetoric a little bit because they will be sorting and wrestling. This is developmentally appropriate faith work And you can look at a lot of the faith development research and resources that we even have in in Lutheranism through like the Concordia Center for the Family and some of the research that came out from some of our CUC professors and things like that, that faith development includes seasons of sorting. It includes seasons of wrestling with what it means to be Christian, what it means to be Lutheran, what God is who God is and what aspects of that do I connect to? Do I believe in? Where do I hold fast? And what things are adiaphora or extras? Those are all important questions for young adulthood. Do you hear emotion in those questions? Like that is an emotional experience to sort through your faith. And so the more comfort, security, that the adults in our lives can offer us as we walk through that without judgment, without, you know, crabbing at them for quote unquote doubting or walking away. Like just giving a sense of grace in that sorting that will help people stay connected. Now, young adults, that means you need to go seek out some people, like seek out your people to sort with. Like do not do this on your own god has given you an entire church capital c church on earth to do this with and i think finding our people really matters so that getting locally connected to some kind of worship a college campus group is really important some kind of campus ministry there's that map that we have for lcmsus at state schools and even some of our smaller schools and community colleges we also have you know different churches who are randomly reaching out and trying to meet the college students in their neighbors. But young adults, I think, I, I know I said low expectations, but I do think we can have a little expectation for <laughs> ourselves in being able to connect with the things we need to connect with instead of leaving that up to other people all the time. So it's a both and, right? People reaching in and us reaching out.
0: One of the points you made in your article I think is really valuable in, in, in finding a congregation, being connected with a congregation, is don't just go just for the message, but become a part of that congregation so that you're connected, that you're a part of the body of Christ, not just going for, you know, to get a little something, but going to be a part of the body of Christ. There's there's value in being part of this community, the body of Christ, and being connected mm-hmm for the very, the reason that you were just pointing out, those relationships there are very valuable at this this particular stage of life, so. Yeah,
2: and since relationships are such a huge piece of our mental health, when we feel that sense of connection, and like you're talking about, Andy, a deeper connection instead of just that surface, ooh, I got inspired for 30 minutes and I walked <laughs> away. When we have those deeper connections, you can feel, even as we talk about it, like this sense of warmth, like I'm not alone in this world, This world is survivable. It has a lot of resilience to it in our emotional lives that we would not have without a sense of connectedness because that's how we're made. That's actually how God made us to be. And when Adam and Eve were created in the garden, it wasn't just for each other. It was to create a community of people that would walk through life together
0: transitions, going to college. I wish we had more time to talk about what parents, a little bit more about what parents might experience. You shared some great insights already on that. You can find Heidi's Heidi's article at HeidiGayman.com. And we will continue our one last episode of Mental Health Monday with Heidi next week. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golsack.
0: The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Oh Christ for you anytime anywhere